Masechet Kiddushin Daf Samechtet. We plan to complete the third pedic and begin the fourth pedic. Rabbi Tarfon Omer Yecholin Mamzerin Lehitaher Rabbi Tarfon says there is a way for a mamzer to become pure. A mamzer is a result of a forbidden union. That's Isur Karet. And uh, mamzerut, the problem is that it's inheritable. If a parent is a mamzer, then the child will also be a mamzer, and it continues forever. That's why mamzerut is so difficult. Uh, but Rabbi Tarfan says, I have a way that I can make a mamzer tahor. Not the mamzer himself, but rather his children. Kesad, mamzer shenasa shivcha havalad aybed. Shichredon imsa ben ben horin. If a mamzer, a man who is a mamzer, marries a shivcha, uh, we're going to discuss if this is permitted to do or not. Um, but if he does it, then the child will be a slave. Now remember, regarding any type of uh, union where there is no Kiddushin possible, and the Mamzed is a Jew, Shivcha Kananit is a non-Jew. There is no Kiddushin between a Jew and a non-Jew. The Mishnah said that in uh, such a case where there's no Kiddushin possible, but like any time it's between a Jew and a non-Jew, the status of the child follows the mother, and the child will be not Jewish. It'll be an Eved, in fact. If it's a boy, it'll be an Eved. If it's a girl, it'll be a Shivcha. So, a Mamzer, Jew, who goes ahead and, well, he says marry. You can't actually do, uh, uh, you can't actually do a full marriage, um, but they can have a child together. The child will be in Ayved, and then that master who owns that Shivcha will free that child, and then once a Eved Kenani goes free, they are a full Jew. And now they are not a Mamzer because they're uh, only related to their mother as a non-Jew. They're not related to the father. Mamzerut of the father cannot pa- can only pass on to a Jewish child. Mamzerut cannot go to a non-Jewish child. This child is not Jewish and only then goes through the conversion process of being an Eved and being free. And so now the child is free and now is fully Jewish and you got rid of the Mamzerut stain. Amazing thing Rabbi Tarfon is telling us. Rabbi Eliezer, Omer, Hareze, Ayved, Mamzer. Rabbi Eliezer says, no, the child is both a slave and a Mamzer. He thinks that the Mamzerut status can even go through from the father to this child. We'll see why he says so. Now, Rabbi Tafon is saying this. Is he saying, one can go and do this? Is it actually permitted for a mamzer to go and have a child with a shivcha? Generally, a Jew, a regular Jew, cannot have a, cannot have a union with a shivcha. Uh, we learn this from lo kadesh. Kadesh means a, a prostitute. A man cannot act in a promiscuous way, and Shifcha is considered a promiscuous woman, and therefore, generally, a man cannot do that. A mamzer is a Jew. He has to keep all the mitzvot. He has to keep Shabbat. He has to keep Kashrut. He has to keep all, all the laws of Arayot. Um, and therefore, uh, this uh, you could say, this would be a prohibition on him too. In that case, only Bedi Avad is Rabbi Tarfon saying, now listen, if it happened, he's not allowed to have his union, but if he did have a child with a shivcha, he violated a law, but it turns out the child will not be a mamzer. That's the diavad. Or do we say lecha Even though for most people uh, they cannot, they have this prohibition, they can't be with a shivcha, but a mamzer who, have all, who has all these other problems. And so in order to solve this problem, so we should allow a mamzer to be with a shivcha 
in order to uh, purify his descendants. So, which one is it? Is it Bitarfon saying you can do this in which case this would be a big uh, a big thing. I don't know how relevant it would be today because we don't have Shifchut, um, but at least uh, theoretically in the Halacha, well, this would be a way to stop Mamzerut from passing on. So, we answer Tashema, Amru lo Bitarfon tihartat azicharim lo tihartat nekevot. So, we have a Baraita that says that when the, the other sages responded to Bitarfon, says, okay, you have purified the males, but not the females. In other words, if a man is a mamzer, so then, and look at Bitarfon's language, nasa, if he did this. See, even the language sounds like a bedi uh, avad. So if a man did, uh, did uh, is a mamzer, and he marries shivcha, so then the, their children will be okay. So you give a solution for a man, but not for a woman. Um, so it sounds like here that this was uh, done already, right? That, okay, you solved the problem for, for the men, but you did not solve the problem for the nekevot. So this sounds like this was bedi avad. If you say that you could do this. So then, if you find any mamzeret, go tell her, you, you're a mamzeret, that's a Jew, regular free Jewish woman, who is a mamzeret, go and marry an Ivid Ivri, and that should be the same thing. Um, uh, that, and that, that, that should be an equivalent case, and therefore you should be allowed to do that. So it must be that he's not saying, he didn't say that because um, he's only talking about Bidiyavad. Listen, Bidiyavad, this already happened in the case of some man, so you see I, uh, 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 this, this man's children is okay. But he's not saying yet otherwise they, they wouldn't have responded, oh, you didn't help the woman, right? Because uh, if, he, if you could do this then he would tell the woman, yeah, go do this also. So we're trying to prove from here that it was on, only Bidiyavad. We answer, no, actually, Ivid and Lo Hais. The problem with the woman Mar- mar- having a child with an Ayavid is that Ayavid uh, has no lineage. He's an Evedivri. His lineage is not significant halachically. The child of that kind of marriage follows the mother. It always follows the mother. And so the mother in this case is Jewish. Therefore, the child is Jewish and the child will be a Mamzed as well, following its Jewish mother. So that's why um, they said to Rabbi Tarfon, your solution, even if it's lecha techila, and you can do it for a man, only works for a man because the man can marry a, a non-Jewish woman and then the mamzerut will, then the child will follow the non-Jewish woman and not, and mamzerut is not going to pass on to a non-Jewish child. But if the female is a mamzeret, then the mamzerut will pass on to her child because in all these cases we follow the mother. So that's why they said you cannot follow, you cannot make pure a nekeva. All right, let's try again. Tashema. Okay, Rabbi Simlai, he once went and, and stayed at someone's house, some host. Now, as he's there, he's talking to the host where he's, uh, that's uh, uh, hosting him for, he has a bed and breakfast or whatever. Um, so, and he finds out the host is a mamzer. Okay, it's fine. There's nothing wrong. I mean, there is something wrong with that, but, uh, you know, you can host it. And uh, so the Bissimlai said, listen, if I knew about your status earlier, I just found out that you're a mamzer. If you told me before you got married, I would have been able to help you and uh, purify your children. And uh, presumably he would have done it in this way. He would have told this guy, 
the host to marry an Eshivcha Kananit, and then their children would have been uh, kosher. Now, that's the end of the story. Here's the proof. If you say that one can do the Bitarfon's uh, solution, then the story makes sense. If Bismillah said, if you told me, I would have told you who to marry. But if you say only, you can only do it by the Avad, then Bismillah would not have been able to give this advice to his host in any case. So this seems to be proof that it's the Chatechila. So no, not necessarily. It could be that the Bitanfon solution is only Bidiavad. The Bismillah actually could have had in mind a different solution altogether, not altogether, slightly different solution, which is he would tell him, go and steal something, and then you'll have to be sold uh, as an Eved Ivri. Now, an Eved Ivri is permitted to have a child with a Shifcha Kananit. That's allowed, Lecha Techila. You'll have a child over there, and then that child will be a, an Eved Kenaani, and the master will free him, and that's how you could get rid of it. So in other words, he might actually, he actually has a different way of, of resolving that you can even do Lecha Techila. Now, this Lecha Techila, it has its own problem. Yes, although an Eved Ivri is allowed to be with a Shifcha Kenaanit, the problem is, how do you become an Eved Ivri? By stealing? You can go Lecha Techila and steal something in order to be an Eved Ivri? That's a, a violation. You can't you can't steal something and say okay I'll I don't mind I'll pay back I'll pay back double but I'm gonna steal it now and I'll pay back double later you still have a violation so it's hard to understand how this could be techila the rishonim deal at length with this okay so bishneb the rebbe simlai evidivri mihava now we reject this because during the time of the rebbe simlai there was no law of evidivri evidivri only applies when the time that of a yovel and by the rebbe simlai's time there was no yovel there was no evidivri so that was even though theoretically this would be a solution. Practically, he could not have told him that. And we're talking about practically. He said, you should have told me. I would have helped you. only when the and there was no yovel then. Instead, we conclude that in fact, the bitarfon meant you can do this. A mamzer man can go have a child with a shivcha kananit lechetechila so that their children will be uh, kosher once they become free. And Shemuel even said that lacha is like Rabbi Tarfon. Now we guess to be Eliezer Omer, mamzer. So no, even if you try to do this thing, the child will still be a mamzer, even though the mother is not Jewish. The mother's Eshivcha Kananit, and the child will still be a mamzer. Amar be El Azar, my time it be Eli Azer, De Amar Kera, Lo Halech Achar Pesulo. His source is this Pasuk, Lo Yavo Mamzer Bikal Adonai, Gam Dor Asiri, Lo Yavo Lo Bikal Adonai. Even the 10th generation, a mamzer cannot marry into the reg into most um, the the regular congregation, and it says the extra word. It could have said lo yavo Hashem. Why lo yavo lo? So the extra word lo comes to indicate that we follow the line- the the flawed parent, even if it's the father, uh, and even if the mother is not Jewish. Still, the if the father is lo if is a mamzer, then it will pass on to the child also. Now, what are the rabbis going to do with that extra word law? Rabbanan say this applies to a Jew who marries a mamzeret, two Jews, right? A regular Jew 
kosher who marries a mamzeret. I might have thought that this child would not be a mamzeret because, as another pasuk that says, they follow their father's house. Generally, besides things for being Jewish and not Jewish, other statuses, things follow the father. So I might have thought that in this case, since the father is kosher and only the mother is a mamzeret, that we should follow the bet avotam and therefore the child will not be a mamzer. So according to Rabbanan, the extra word law comes to teach, not so, right? Um, this is an exception to the rule that usually you follow the father, but for this, if the mother is mamzeret, then the child is a mamzeret. That's why Rabbanan need the word law. And it's not to teach me what Rabbi Eliezer thought. Now we ask if it be Eliezer, how would he respond to this? So I agree, right? You just said, I'll, I'll take your argument. Um, that even though it says that we usually follow the father, it says in that pasuk, law comes to say this is an exception if the mother is a mamzeret, then we're going to follow the mother. I'm going to apply the same method. I'm going to agree with you and apply the same methodology. Even though the pasuk says regarding shifra kananit, that usually the child of a shifra kananit follows the mother. The word law is going to come say, but this is an exception for a mamzer. That in that case, if a father is a mamzer, then the child will also be a mamzer. And even though for Jewishness, the an Eved status, we follow the mother, for mamzerut, we follow the father. So the word law, um, even though it's, it's doing different things, switching in different ways, Nevertheless, it's a it's an exception clause. It says the law comes to include even the father, um, when even the even the mother when you might generally follow the father, or even the father when you might generally follow the follow the mother. So to be as it says, law comes to include both cases, and that's why he doesn't use. He cannot use the uh, solution of it to be tarfan. But Abanan, not Abanan. What are they going to do with this argument that law could be this way and law could be that way? They say, no, not, not, not so at all. If the father is a mamzer and the mother is a shivcha kananit, that mother, when is pregnant, shivcha kananit who is pregnant, the fetus in its womb is, has zero legal significance. It's the same as a uh, offspring of an animal where the the lineage there's not no lineage, there's no kohen, there's no mamzer or or anything like that in an animal, an animal kingdom. This whole category only applies to Jews, and therefore if shivcha kananit. Their child will not be a mamzed, and the pasuk of law cannot, therefore, cannot come and, and apply to that case because they're not Jewish at all. Um, and so that's why Rabbanan think that there be tarfon. Um, uh, the rabbis here it means there be tarfon, and that's the, that's the halacha. Um, that's the source for their um, halacha. Hadan halacha omer that concludes the third pedic. We now begin the fourth and last pedic of the Masechet, Asara Yochasin Alumi Bavel. There were ten different types of lineage that came from Bavel to Eretz Yisrael in the time of Isa, in the beginning of the second Bet Hamikdash. Kahane Levi'e Yisrael Halale Gereve Harure Mamzere Nitine Shetuke Vaasufe. So you have Kohanim Levi'im and Yisraelim Yisrim that are totally fine in kosher. Halalim are Kohanim that are uh, cannot serve. Uh, an, an improper disqualified Kohanim converts and <coughs> emancipated slaves <coughs> from now who, now who now are now are Jewish. The Eved Kanani, Shifcha Kanani. There were some Mamzerim, Natin, 
are people from Giv'on back in time of Yeshua who converted but under false pretenses. Shituke and Asofer we're going to uh, 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 define in a moment. Now, who of these can marry each other? Well, there's different categories. And the role kosher of no other problems, they can all marry each other. No problem, a Kohen can marry a Yisrael, that's okay. There were some Jewish sects of Second Temple that said, no, Kohanim can only marry Kohanim, but that's not the halacha. Now, if you take off Kohanim, then the next category, they're overlapping categories. A regular Levi, a good Israel, and a Halal, that's okay, you still can marry a Halal or a convert. A Levi can also marry a convert or a freed slave. They all can marry each other. So, as long as so Kohanim have a lot of restrictions, they can't marry anybody lower on the list than the Israel. Um, but if you take off Kwanim, then the, we include all the way up to uh, converts and free slaves. And then, if you uh, start with Gerim, Gerev, Charurim, Mamzerev, Nitineshu, Tukeva, Sufeh, Kulam, Mutarim, A convert can marry anybody that's on the, on the rest of the list, and the rest of us can marry up to a convert, but not um, above. Ve'elohem, Shetukeh, uh, is anyone who knows who his mother is, but he doesn't know who his father is. Somehow his mother got pregnant somewhere, somehow, but nobody knows where. So there's a problem. Since you don't know who the father is, then, well, the suspect is the father Jewish, not Jewish, Mamzer, Kohen, nobody knows. So that's a lower category. And Asufi is someone who was uh, abandoned in the in the marketplace and uh, he no one knows who his mother is and who his father is and therefore that person we don't even know if they're jewish because at least uh Sufe, if you know the mother is we'll know if they're jewish this person we have no idea called a different name for him now now we're going to analyze the language of the mishnah why does it say that these different t- 10 categories made Aliyah from Babel. Why not say that they went to Eretz Yisrael? We're asking two questions. Why do they say where they came from instead of talk about where they're going? Uh, that were, that's the second question. The first question is, why does it say Alu, they went up instead of just walked or traveled? It wants to teach us something, by the way, by using that special word, Allah, Kedetanya. Since the Pasuk says, if your local court doesn't know a law, then you should go up to the place that Hashem will choose, to the Sanhedrin that's there in the Shkata Gazit in the Bet Mikdash. So we learn from here that the Bet Mikdash is higher than all of Eretz Yisrael, and because anywhere you are in Eretz Yisrael, you're going to go up to, to Yerushalayim where the Bet Mikdash is, and Eretz Yisrael is higher than all of the other lands, because uh, wherever you are, you're going to go up. And so, uh, so we learn the word Allah to make Aliyah. Till today we say that is because Israel is higher. Now it is true that Yerushalayim is on top of a mountain and top part of a mountain range. It's not actually the highest place in, in the world. I don't think it's in the highest place in, Yerush, in, in Israel. Um, but it's not just that it's high physically, topographically, but also spiritually is the highest, holiest place. Now I understand the Bet HaMikdash is the highest place in Israel. That's the Pasuk says. Uh, anytime you have a dispute in your land, 
and your gates, and then you'll go up to, uh, and you don't know the answer, and you have a problem in your local town in Israel, then you'll go up. So now I need to see that Jerusalem is higher than anywhere else in Eretz Yisrael. But this doesn't prove that if you're outside of Israel, everywhere else, Israel is higher than every other land. So how do you know that? That one day is, uh, is going to happen. That no longer will people say, um, Hashem lives, who took, uh, who brought Bnei Israel up from Eretz Misraim. Already here, you see that Eretz Misraim is higher. That so Israel is higher than Eretz Misraim. Um, but with, there's going to be a redemption. It's going to be so great that people are now starting to going to start praising Hashem as li, uh, Hashem lives, who took them out, uh, who brought them up. Um, and brought the seed of Bet Israel from the from the north and from all the lands that for, that from which they were scattered. So you see, to the, no matter what the land is, all around, everywhere, Hashem is going to bring uh, the ingathering of exiles and bring them up to Eretz Israel. So you see that Eretz Israel is higher than all of the lands. Now the other question: Why is it mentioned that they left from Babel? Why not say they went to Eretz Israel? This wants to teach us about something, something about Babel, the place that they left. It's not only important where they went to. So of course, it's important that they came to Eretz Israel. That's the Allah part. But the place that they left is also important. In fact, Ezra, who uh, there was, uh, there was a bunch of Aliyot. There were many people that came at different times. Some people came way before Ezra. Some people came during Ezra's time. Uh, but the point here is that Ezra. When he left Bavel, he made sure that the people in Bavel were like fine flour, meaning they were sifted through and everybody there was of proper lineage. Over time, some people marry this way and that way and they marry the wrong things and, and um, illegal relations and mamzed and all kinds of things happen. And so Ezra, before he left, he wants to make, make sure you always uh, leave your home clean before you leave. That the that the people in Bavel, where everybody was properly documented and everybody was like pure flower and of good lineage, so Allah mi Bavel, Bavel was an important place, and that they had good lineage. Itemad um, in general, and and we know in, in Persia they were very focused on proper lineage. And they kept track of these things for a long time. Now, more discussion on that point. When, and we learned in the Mishnah that there were 10 categories of people that came from Bavel, and they came with, and we just learned that they came with Ezra. So, how do we understand this? Abaye says, Alu, they all came on their own. Ezra was coming, and the other people also, they came on their own, and eventually Ezra had to see, like, who's, who's here, he examined them. Uh, that's Abaye. Rava says, Ezra brought them. He actually, they didn't. They weren't going to come on their own. As I said, you, you, and you, come here. You all got to come with me. We have to make aliyah. We need your help. Now, now they both argue on this statement of to be about the statement of to be Alazad. Um, that Ezra, when he came, he made sure Babel was pure flower, and only then he came. So how are they each going to explain this? It seems 
Nabi Elazar said that Ezra made sure that Bavel would be pure flour. Well, that means like he had to by force, he left all the good guys, good people that were pure flour behind in Bavel, and everybody else who were problematic uh, lineage, he, he got them to go to Eretz Yisrael. Well, that sounds like he forced them to go. So according to Abaye, who says they all went on their own, well, who went on their own? I don't know, whoever wanted to went on their own. So that wouldn't make sense. So it must be Abaye does not agree with Rabbi Elazar. Whereas Rava, who says that Ezra forced them, he said, you, you're a mamzer, you're a halal, you and you, right? Come, we're going to leave Bavel. We want to make Bavel pure. You come to Eretz Yisrael. So, and that, that would be, uh, be in agreement with Rabbi Elazar. Uh, so that's one way of understanding it. Or maybe everybody should agree. Everybody agrees with Bielazar that in fact Bavel was left totally pure and only the problematic people uh, went to, uh, and all the problematic people went to Eretz Yisrael. Um, I'm sure some good people also went to Eretz Yisrael. And rather the Machloket is as follows. Abaye, who says that they went on their own. Here's how it worked. Ezra in Bavel, he separated all the people. He said, you guys are kosher, you guys are not kosher. Now, the non-kosher people, they're like, why should we stay here? If someone is a mamzer, and they're in this, and in the community in Bavel, everybody knows them, everybody knows they're a mamzer, so like, what am I going to stay here for? I can't marry anybody, I won't be accepted into the community, I may as well move. If I move, right, I'll go to a different place, and maybe they won't know me. And so they, they would leave on their own. So Ezra did force them in the sense that he separated all the categories back in Babel. Once he did, he did that, then on their own, everybody else left and went to Eretz Yisrael. Whereas uh, uh, Rava says, he, he, he forced them all against their will. He said, you're Mamzer, you're Chalal, you all, you all, you have to go to Eretz Yisrael. So either way, there was one some period of Ezra imposing and labeling and naming each of the categories. And then either they went on their own because they wouldn't want to be there, um, and they wanted to move, or he forced them to move on their own. Uh, so uh, why would they leave the uh, the kosher people behind in, in Bavel rather than Eretz Yisrael? We'd think the opposite. Eretz Yisrael, you should go, all the kosher people go there and leave the everywhere else behind. Well, after remember, Bavel actually was the Torah center, right? That's where all the educated people, um, uh, the, the, the leaders uh, at the time of the... Uh, exile, they went to Bavel. And so for there, for, over there in Bavel, uh, they, they needed to have the unflawed people. When the people that went to Eretz Yisrael, in Eretz Yisrael, they'd have a Sanhedrin, they would uh, be able to take care of them. So maybe in, that's why in Eretz Yisrael, um, the, he, wanted, he wanted them to go there. Um, uh, but uh, this uh, other explanation seems um, more likely that the families of unflawed lineage, they didn't want to go to Eretz Yisrael because they were happy in Bavel, right? And we know that. It says in the Navi that oh, they lived there they built houses. They had uh, uh, they had shuls, schools, centers, uh, the JCCs. Right? They had everything that they needed, and so they didn't want to go. Whereas the the families that were of flawed lineage, they were like, "Oh, look, we're not very welcome here. We may as well go start over." and make a, build a new community elsewhere. And so they're the ones that went to Eretz Yisrael, um, either once, once they were uh, labeled as such, or if they, people knew them already as such, or as that uh, made them go. And so this is a very interesting historical incident.
Now, we slam the man damad alu, hainu damad rav shemuel, amar shemuel, kol anasot isal ez isal ez israel isal bavel. El man damad he ailum, medayad ainhu. So we understand according to the one who said that they um, they went, alu, they went on their own. Well, that would make sense. That would We can understand the statement of shemuel. Shemuel said, all the lands are dough compared to ez israel. Dough is a mixture, a mixture of all kinds of things. You put eggs and flour and uh, water, sugar, you put all the stuff in the dough that's the same as a mixture of all different t- people types of lineage so all the rest of the lands are lower than Eretz Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael is dough compared to Bavel Bavel is the best and then comes Eretz Yisrael and then comes the rest of the lands so if we say that they came up on their own so we don't know who came up all kinds of mixture a mixture of people came up to Eretz Yisrael that's why Eretz Yisrael was not as good as Bavel Bavel was pure Eretz Yisrael is a is a mixture and uh, then the, 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 that's better than the rest of the lands but according to the opinion that said Ezra picked who goes where and who, uh, who goes who goes uh, to Israel and who doesn't well then um, they know what, what land they're from and Ezra would have identified them and selected them and so he knew who was permitted and who was forbidden that's not a mixture Ezra had it all sorted out so how would that opinion explain the statement of Shemuel and the answer is yeah, in that generation they knew Ezra went and he said each person he told each family this is what you are this is what you are but we're talking, Shemuel's talking about after generations. After many generations, people forget. He says, what was that, what was that guy? Was that, he had a problem in his family? I don't know. I don't remember. Do you remember? And so then they all get mixed up, and then it becomes a dough again. And so it just wasn't as bad as other lands, but it wasn't as good as Bavel. According to one says that the opinion that says they all they came on their own. Whoever wanted to make Aliyah came. That would make sense because it says in Ezra that he gathered them together at the river, right, when they're uh, as they're traveling, and they were there for three days, and then he saw, I see some uh, some Kohanim, uh, 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 but I didn't have I don't have any Levi'im. Now, so he had to identify them. If Ezra had had forced them to come up, then he would have known who's coming, who's not coming. You, I need you to come. I don't need you to come. Um, I don't have any Levi'im here, and he would have known that there's no Levi'im. So this supports the opinion that the people came on their own and Ezra then only um, looked at who came afterwards. So how would the other opinion explain it? According to the one that said he brought them up himself by force so then he would have been careful to see who's here, who's not here, who might, what kind of more people do we need? We need more Levi'im. So how do you explain that? Right, he was careful regarding the Pesulim. People of flawed lineage, like a, a halal or natin or mamzer, those people, he said, okay, what, what are you? Make sure that we know what you are before you come so we know who you can marry and who you can't marry. That he did designate, but the kishirim, whether you're Kohen, Levi, Israel, that he did not designate, designate, and that, that he did on the way. Um, so, and then uh, on the way, that's when he saw, well, there's not enough, not enough Leviim. 
And so um, that explains that pasuk. Now, back to the Mishnah. Now, uh, we, we mentioned that the first three categories of people that came to Israel were a regular kosher, kohanim living Israelim. What's the source? How do you know that they made aliyah? Tiktiv says in the book of Israel, Singers, gatekeepers, Gibeonites dwelt in the cities, and all of the people dwelt in the city. So you see, it says here, Kohanim Levi Misraelim are mentioned explicitly. Okay, that was easy. Now, Chalale Gereva Harure, Chalale Minelan. Now, how do you know that there were also Chalalim and converts and emancipated slaves? Um, so that's the next category uh, that came. Now, how do you know that among them were Chalalim? There were uh, Kohanim that were um, uh, not that could not serve. De Tanya. Rabbi Yosef Omer, Gedola Hazakash Nemar, Vene Kohanim, Bene Hovaya, Bene Hakos, Bene Barzilai, Ashela Kahme, Benot, Barzilai, Hageladi Isha, Vaikare Al Shemam, Ele Bixuketabam, Hemit Yahasim, Velonim Sao, Vaigo Alumina Kihuna, that's the key word, Vigo Alumina Kihuna. They were kicked out from being Kohanim. Vayomer Hatirshata Lahem, Asheloyo Hilum Kodesh Kodashim, Adamod Kohen, the Urim, Vet Ulatumim. Sukim and Ezra uh, said the of the Kohanim. There was this families of Chabiyah, uh, Koz, Bazilai. They took wife, uh, took a wife from the daughters of, of Bazilai, and that's what they were called. And now they were looking for the registry. Every Kohen family had to have a registry of their genealogy to prove that these are they are proper Kohanim. They looked at looked for the registry, but they could not find it. And so, so these were Sefik. Are they good Kohanim or are they not? And so, since they couldn't prove it. They were vayigo alu, right? They were put out from priesthood. They could not serve as kohanim. That, in other words, they were halalim. Because of that, they were could not eat the kodesh kodashim um, until a kohen with urim tumim would be able to come and determine whether they were proper kohanim or not. So that's the proof they were halalim. Amad lahem hare atem bechazkatchem bame hayitem ochelim bagola bekotche hagebul afkan ame bekotche hagebul. Now within the Brayta, it doesn't just quote the pasuk. Rabbi Yosef said that look how great, look how strong a chazaka is. They did have a chazaka that they were something. They were kohanim. So how strong is that chazaka? So even though they didn't have a genealogy, and that means that they are rejected from priesthood and they can't eat kodesh kodashim, still, Ezra told them, you can continue uh, with your chazaka. What would what were you allowed to eat when you were back in uh, out in Bavel? Bekochehagevul, things that are Kodesh, even outside the land of Israel, like teruma. Teruma applies everywhere, at least midrabanan. So So when you come into Israel, we're not going to strip you totally of your Kohen status. We'll leave it the same as it was, and you can continue to eat Tiruma. But for other things, you can't no upgrade here. Um, you're not going to be able to eat Kodashim uh, sacrificial meat. So that was the uh, that was the decision. Now that you know, within this Braita, we proved that there were Chalalim. But now we now we have this Braita, we're going to analyze it further. We have a problem because there is an opinion, we learned it back in Masechet Kitubot, that says if someone eats Tiruma, we, and we know he always ate Tiruma, then we can assume that he has good Yehus, 
And so these people, uh, they're going to come in, we're going to allow them to continue to eat tirumah. Well, if we allow that, then we should be, be afraid, because according to that opinion, if they eat tirumah, you can assume that their yichus is good. So now you're going to let them get married uh, into regular kosher priesthood, and won't that be a problem? And the answer is, No, it won't, because their chazakah is also weakened, because they cannot have, they cannot have any of the sacrifices. So everybody's going to know, oh, this Kohen, they eat tirumah, but they don't have sacrifices. Can we marry into them? Well, they eat tirumah, yeah, but they don't have sacrifices. Oh, their chazakah is problematic, and therefore people will not assume that they are kosher. Well, if so, if they get no benefit, when um, in the Braita, the beginning of Braita, says, says, Gedola Hazaka. Hazaka is so strong. That suggests that it's strong enough that there is some upgrade. I know it's not going to be 100%, they're going to be total Kohanim, um, but it should be more than this, that they continue to have the same as they did before. There should be some upgraded status if you want to say Hazaka is great. And the answer is when they were in Galut, they were only allowed to eat Rumah, that is Midrabanan. Uh, but now that they came to Eretz Israel and the law of, of things that grow in Rumah is in Eretz Israel is Doraita. So you know what? They get an upgrade. Now that you're here with Chazaka, your Chazaka is so strong, you're allowed to eat Terumah in Bavel, you're now allowed to eat Terumah in Eretz Yisrael, which is now a Deoraita status, that's how strong your Chazaka is. But it's only a Chazaka, it's only a presumption. You don't have documents to prove that of your proper lineage, therefore we can't go all the way and allow that allow these Kohanim to eat, uh, eat Kodashim. Or another explanation, Maybe even in Israel, they can only have the Rabbanan stuff, like on uh, vegetables, Turban uh, vegetables only the Rabbanan. No, you can't, you only were allowed to eat the Rabbanan outside of Israel. You can't get any more now. Well, if so, and when we said before that there is an opinion that said if someone eats tiruma, then we can assume that they have proper lineage. That's only if they're eating tiruma midoraita. But if they're eating only tiruma midrabanan, then we know, do not assume that their lineage is okay. So we have no problem of that question according to this opinion because now there's the Kohanim that are coming in. They only eat tiruma midrabanan outside. They continue eating only tiruma inside, so no one will think that they are of proper lineage. Now, according to this answer, then what does it mean? What does it be mean in that Braita? They said Hazaka is so great, so strong. What? What's the strength? This, they have the same status before and now. There's no upgrade at all. And the answer is, The chidush is that when they were in Bavel, there was no reason to make a gezerah uh, from that if you allow them to eat they may come to eat Tirumah There was no need to make such a gezerah because in Bavel, there was no Tirumah Anything that grows in Bavel, it is not required in Tirumah so there's no need to make a gezera. However, now that they're in Eretz Yisrael, there's going to be Doraita Teruma all around. And you might think that maybe now we should make a gezera. Don't let them eat the Rabbanan because they may come to eat Doraita. The Chidush is 
This is how strong their chazakah is that even in the new circumstances where there's more error, room for error, still will allow them to continue and eat the, eat the Rabbanan, even though they cannot eat the Oraita. Now we ask, Hold on in, Book of Ezra also says that Tirshata, that's a reference to Nehemiah, he said that these Kohanim cannot eat Mikodesh HaKodashim. That's of sacrificial meat. Mikodesh HaKodashim that means only that they can eat, but other things that are less sacred, like Tirumah, means they can eat. So how could you explain, according to this opinion, that uh, they could not eat Tirumah uh, Doraita, um, if, according to this, the only thing that they're prohibited from eating is Kodesh Kodashim, but Tirumah, even Doraita, they were able to eat. So we re-explained this Pasuk, when it says Kodesh Kodashim, that's not talking about very holy sacrificial meat. We're reading this as two words. These Kohanim cannot eat Kodesh, and they also cannot eat Kodashim, uh, referring to two different things. Um, this Pasuk is talking about Tirumah, which is called Kodesh. Uh, it says and any non-Kohen cannot eat Kodesh. That refers to not eating Tirumah. That they can't eat Tirumah de Oraita. They can eat Tirumah de Rabbanan. Velami did Mikre Kodashim, the Markera Batko, and Kitiel Ish Zar, he bitrumata Kodashim Lotochel, Vamar Mor, Bemuram, Mina Kodashim, Lotochel. And this Pasuk uh, is referring to the parts of a of a offering, a Shalamim offering, the breast and the thigh, that are separated, that usually Kohanim can eat. That this pasuk says that a bat kohen, when she's growing up in her father's house, she can eat all the things that the kohen can eat. Uh, she, not everything. She, she can eat terumah, and she can eat these pieces of a shalamim offering. Um, but if she gets married, even if she gets divorced afterwards and goes back to her father's house, she can, can continue eating terumah, but she no longer can eat those, those parts of the shalamim offering. So you see that that is referred, that is referred to hakodashim. So when it says in the pasuk here, that they Tirshata uh, uh, said you can eat, you cannot eat kodesh or kodashim that refers to terumah doraita and kodashim refers to those pieces of the shalamim offering they were not allowed to eat um, but uh, uh, so that includes terumah that they were not allowed to eat terumah doraita not allowed but terumah drabanan they were permitted to eat baruch adonai leolam amen v'amen.